0: Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, if you haven't already done so. Uh, We've been working through the Gospel of John for over a year now, and we are actually turning a corner in regards to this book, because chapters 13 to 17 are almost like a, a brand new sermon series altogether, as we move into the Upper Room Discourse, or what some refer to as the Farewell Discourse. Uh, What we're going to see, starting here in chapter 13, is Jesus focus his attention away from the crowds, and now specifically focus his attention on the disciples. Uh, He's moved away uh, from the public ministry that he's been engaged with for the last three years, and now he's going to focus in on the last few hours uh, before the cross with his disciples. When chapter 13 begins... Uh, It's Thursday, and Jesus will be crucified on Friday. And as the chapter opens, we find ourselves in a story that's familiar uh, to so many of us. It's Jesus washing the disciples' feet. A very familiar event in the life and ministry of Jesus. But the foot washing is important for so many reasons. And one of them is that this foot washing scene really sets the tone for the entire farewell discourse. See, what Jesus is going to do here is display unparalleled uh, humility, sacrifice, and service. The King of Glory, the one that we're singing about this morning, uh, the one who was anointed by Mary just moments before this, the one who came riding in on on a donkey to Jerusalem to bring peace, the King of Kings, is about to wash feet. Now, uh, we don't have to go into a lot of historical background about the need to wash feet in ancient Israel, but we do know it was a needed thing to do as people were walking around in in, in sandals uh, all day with with the dirt roads, um, animals all over the place. You can imagine what's on their feet. And you can picture um, how the disciples' feet looked and smelled. Right, these twelve guys. Um, I can tell you, uh, and most guys in the room, uh, even today, know. Maybe some wives uh, that even with a daily shower, socks and shoes, right, feet are still feet are still evidence that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, uh, feet are rough, right? They they are dirty, they stink, and so in Israel, when you would arrive into the home of someone. Usually, it was the person of the lowest social class. That individual would stoop down low and wash the people's feet, wash the guests' feet. It was the job of the house servant, or typically the job of the slave of the home. It was an unclean job done by the lowly. And so here we are now in this ancient world, in this context, but here is the king, the one, understand, the one who made their feet, stooping down to now wash them. And what we're going to see today is that all of this actually foreshadows his ultimate display of humility as Jesus would stoop down low all the way to a cross. So today is about Jesus washing feet, and I want, to, I want us to consider this text, break it down really in three, three parts, to hopefully simplify it. First of all, we're going to consider his love really briefly. Second, we're uh, going to look at our need to receive cleansing And then third, we'll talk about Jesus' call to follow his example in washing feet. Now, one last thing I want to say before we jump in, uh, jump into this text, is that what's commonly taken away from this portion of Scripture is point three. And that is that we should follow Jesus' example and humbly serve people. That's typically the, the takeaway. It's typically how the sermon is taught, right? And we will certainly get there. But we have to understand this morning that we cannot get to point three without point two. And that is Jesus's symbolic action here of cleansing. See, if we don't get what Jesus is saying about our need to be cleansed, to have a bath, he'll say, then what we will ultimately turn John 13 into is moralism. Jesus washed feet, so now you guys go wash feet. And with those words, with that perspective, we either will leave today, leave this text being very puffed up and self-righteous, thinking, oh good, I'm I'm good to go because I already do that, I already serve. Or we'll leave very discouraged this morning, knowing that if we're honest, how bad we really are at serving other people. See, we need something more than the example to wash feet, to wash feet. We need power. We need a new heart. We need to be cleansed. And so it's point two that will ultimately give us hope to point three. The reality that we need to be cleansed reminds us that we're not earning our way to heaven. We're not earning our way to God's love by serving people. right? We're not serving for acceptance with God. We're serving from acceptance with God. We're not serving to be cleansed by God. We're serving because we are cleansed by God. So that's where we're headed this morning. So with that now, we can open. Let's start with God's love. We're told here in the beginning that Jesus loves his own. Let's break that down. This is verse 1. Jesus loves his own. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This text here, it's intentional, it's purposeful as we open up chapter 13. This text here is essentially like a banner that's hanging over the rest of the farewell discourse, the next several chapters. And it's a really sweet verse. We're told by John, in terms of the time, that it's, it's right before the Passover festival. And we take that specifically to mean the Passover meal, or what we, we now refer to as the Last Supper the meal where, where Jesus takes the bread and the cup, he talks there about his body that was broken, his blood that was poured out for us, and he, he instructs us at that meal to remember him, right? It's why we do communion every month. But here in, here in John, we don't see the meal. In his gospel, it's not included. We don't see the details of that meal. Instead, we just see the events surrounding the meal, and it starts right here. And so, it's just hours before his death, and it says that Jesus knew that his time had come. The hour has come, it says, which includes, the hour includes a whole bundle of events. We've talked about this. It's not just the cross. It is the cross, but it's the cross, the resurrection, and ascension. All of that has now come. The hour has come. It's time for Jesus to complete his mission and return back to the Father, and then it says, notice it now, that Jesus has loved his own who are in the world and that he will love them to the end. We know from John's gospel again and again that God loves the world. We've seen that throughout this book. Uh, John 3.16 being our great example of that, that we looked at you know, many months ago. But here we are told that, that Jesus has a particular love for his own having loved his own, John says, his own disciples who were in the world. In other words, he loves his own sheep, as we studied in John 10. Now, as a Christian, of course, we are are called to love everyone, right? Every man, every woman, called to love everyone. But to maybe make this understandable, think of it this way, like Christian husbands in the room, You are called to love everyone, but you are specifically called to have a particular love for your wife. And wives, the same towards your husbands. That's the idea here. Likewise, Jesus loves the world, but he has a particular love for his own. He loves them in a special way. He loves his children in a particular way, his sheep. And so please understand this morning that if you're a follower of Jesus if you are a disciple of the Lord, that you should feel his love today. That Jesus has a particular love for you, and that his love will not stop. It will never end. It's ongoing. Jesus expressed his love for his followers all throughout his ministry, and he will love them to the end. And that means the end of his life here on earth, the end of their lives, whenever that day may come, and the very end of ends, which... It goes on forever, right? He will never stop loving his own. It's this Romans 8 type of love that nothing will separate the saints from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a beautiful truth, isn't it? Now, we're going to revisit this theme of love over and over again, and so I'm going to stop there when it comes to love because from John 13 to John 21, we're going to read of Jesus' love 45 different times. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of love this spring. All right, we're going to cover it a lot. Um, it's interesting how John's gospel breaks itself down. In John 1 through 12, the two dominant themes are light and life. But now, as Jesus focuses his attention specifically to the disciples, the theme is love. Right? To the world he's come to, it's light. It's life that is offered. Now, specifically to the disciples, it's the love that he shows and demonstrates for us. Jesus loves the Father. The Father loves him. He loves the disciples, and the disciples are to love one another. That's what we're told here. And do you want to be humbled this morning? Um, Maybe not, but I'm going to humble you anyway. Uh, The first disciple, notice it in our text. You have to actually have a Bible out to see it. It's not on the screen. The first disciple mentioned after these words of love in verse 1 is Judas. See, Judas' name in verse 2. Jesus even displays a love for his enemy. He displays a love for his betrayer. It's remarkable love. Understand, we have to, that Jesus here is having dinner with Judas. Would you have dinner with Judas, knowing what he's about to do? What he's about to stand up and do? I was thinking about it this week and thought, what would I do? I'll tell you what I would do. I'd put a laxative in his pita, right? That's what I would do, right? A laxative right in his pita. We got a special bread for you this morning, Judas, right? No, he'd be, or worse, he'd be getting a punch in the face for me or at least some wine in his face, like drink this and remember to right in his face, right? Right, right? But no, like Jesus, right? But no, no, Jesus is not like us, amen, right? Praise God jesus is going to get down and actually wash judas's feet it's unreal jesus's love was costly and true love is always costly love always requires sacrifice Uh, love is giving up ourselves for the good of others jesus displays that and it's what we're called to do he loves his disciples he always will so I want us to see that as we enter into the text, as we enter into that discourse. It starts there, being reminded of the love of Jesus, which we always need that rem- reminder. And then as we move into verse 2, uh, we're, we're told again that we we're his, it, we belong to him, he loves those who are his. If you're not, he's calling you into that love. And then verse 3, we move from Jesus' love to our need to receive his cleansing, our need to receive his cleansing. John writes this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. It's absolutely incredible. Incredible. Now, we're not exactly sure when Jesus went about this foot washing. Was it right before the food? Was it during? Was it after? We don't know. But what we do know is at some point in the duration of that meal, the king goes low. And we are told that he begins to move around the room, cleaning, washing the feet of the disciples. And why does Jesus do this? Why? Well, he actually tells us in verse 10, we're going to break this down more, but in verse 10 we're told why when he's talking to Peter. He says, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you What's Jesus's point? He's saying, what I'm doing for you now is not just about the social custom that you're all used to because your feet are nasty and they need to be cleansed. No, this is a symbol for you. It's a picture of the spiritual cleansing that each and every one of us needs. And so let's talk about that for a bit. It's so important. First of all, we see here who provides the cleansing. We need to start there. Who provides the cleansing or who is able to provide the cleansing? It's the one who will be betrayed by Judas, we're told. It's the one who has just gotten low and washed the disciples' feet. It's the one, again in verse 3, who has all authority given to him by the Father, from the Father. It's this Jesus who has come from God and who, we're told, is going back to the Father. Jesus tells Peter in verse 8, listen, unless I wash you, you can underline, highlight, circle that word I, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, there's only one who can cleanse. There's only one who's qualified to bring cleansing. There's only one in the category of Messiah. Only one who came from God and who went back to God. It's the man who went low to wash feet this day. And he did this, he did this to symbolize what he's about to do at the cross when he would fully and completely cleanse his people from their sin. Now, I think it's important for us to understand that every world religion, every religion in our world has some method of cleansing. It's a really fascinating thing, actually. And that's because it seems to be that there's this common denominator amongst people and therefore amongst religion that there, is this, that there is guilt that exists. right? And understanding that in some way, in some regard, that as human beings we all fall short. That we are guilty in some sense before God, whoever that might be. And so what do we get or how do we get that guilt off of us? What can we do to remove that stain of shame? Well, we find that in some religions, they promote ritual bathing for this. Some promote special water or praying up holy steps or taking pilgrimages once a year or things like self-mutilation or pagan sacrifices. And do you know what's true of each and every one of those things? None of them works. None of them. Because only Jesus and Jesus alone can cleanse us. And, and, and how does he cleanse us? Well, I think verses 4 and 5, this picture of Jesus washing feet, is actually a parable of what Jesus would do and what he was going to do or what he did do in coming to the earth as a man. I think this is absolutely fascinating, by the way, what we're about to see. Maybe you've never seen this before as you've heard this story again and again, I was blown away by this uh, this past week as I was studying this text. I want you to think about this week with me. Look at what the the writer John, the brilliance of what he's written here. Verse 4 says that Jesus, notice the language, Jesus rose, that he got up from supper. And, And similarly, we know that Jesus got up from his throne of glory and came down to the earth. It then says in our text that Jesus lays aside his garments here at the foot washing. Well, we know that though Jesus was in the very nature God, he emptied himself and he took off glory, if you will, to put on flesh. We also see here that Jesus wraps a towel around the waist, his waist. That's the language, which is very similar to what the Apostle Paul tells us later, that Jesus took on the garb of a servant took on the very form of a servant, in fact. Not only that, we're told here by John that Jesus pours water into a basin jar to wash feet. And just a few hours after this, we know that Jesus's blood would be poured out for the washing away of sin. We can keep going. Look at verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes back on and returned to his place at the table. You see where this is going? This is an echo of elsewhere in Scripture that after Jesus cleansed us from our sin, died, rose again, finished the job, if you will. What does He do? He returns back to His throne, returns back to His place, back to the Father. The only Jesus can cleanse us, and how does He achieve that? Well, He cleanses us or he cleansed us through His arrival. His incarnation, through taking on flesh, through his death on the cross, through his bodily resurrection, and through his ascension back to glory. We are cleansed, church, by his gift of grace. So Jesus is the one who can cleanse. He cleanses us ultimately and completely through his work on the cross, which is then affirmed by his resurrection and ascension. And then the last thing I want us to see about this cleansing is that all of us have a need for it. We all have a need for it. We're all in need of it. In verses 6 through 11 of this passage, we see this this great human element or human touch to the story. You can picture the scene with me as Jesus takes off the garment, brings out the basin, ties a towel around his waist, The disciples are reclined around the table. Jesus starts to go around and, of course, there would be silence in the room. Intimate, as Jesus makes his way around this room until he gets to Peter. And we're told he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Peter is very skilled at recognizing the obvious, isn't he? Very skilled. Yes, Peter. Like, I'm down here, (laughs) right? The garment's off. There's a towel around my waist, the water basin. I've already washed a few of your friend's feet. It's exactly what I'm going to do, right? Peter's very expressive. I love it. Are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says to him, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And this makes sense. We, we talked about this briefly last week, but until the cross and the resurrection took place, a lot of things didn't make sense. But more than that, I also think there's a universal principle here for all of us as well, that often... Just a simple truth that you and I don't often understand what the Lord is doing until later in life. We don't, right? We've probably all been there before. I've been there multiple times. Maybe we've doubted God. We've questioned him. We'd ask, we've asked him this question, why? Why? But as time goes by, right, as time goes by, we often understand. And, and not only do we understand, we're often grateful that he is in control, that things went the way they went, and that we, we, we know in a better way that his ways are greater than our ways, that his plans are bigger than our plans. So Jesus responds to Peter, you do not realize what I'm doing. Later you'll understand. But apparently Jesus' response to Peter isn't good enough. So Peter says back, no, you shall never wash my feet. Oh, Peter. <laughs> I, really, I really appreciate Peter. Uh, there's so much hope in Peter, isn't there? If this guy can make it into the kingdom, right? Not only that, be used by God mightily. We all have a chance. Yeah, amen. <laughs> I mean, when, when Jesus has just said to you, you don't understand what I'm doing, but you will. That was a really good time for him to be quiet, to trust, and to use his inner voice, (laughs) right? But he responds. He responds, no, you'll never do this to me. And so Jesus answers him back because he loves him. He's gracious, but he doesn't just like take his feet and like, you will be washed. No, he responds back. Unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. That phrase, by the way, have no part, it's beautiful. It's the Old Testament word for inheritance. Unless I wash you, Jesus is saying, you cannot inherit life, Peter. You, you cannot inherit me. You, you, you cannot inherit the earth, Jesus is saying. It's severe, it's, it's strong. All of the blessings that come with knowing me and being with me, Jesus says, if I do not wash you, Peter, you'll lose out. You'll have no part in it. And apparently, Peter understands Jesus now. He doesn't understand the foot washing, but he gets those words. He gets it now because he says, all right then, I'll take the deluxe package, Jesus. It's awesome. Then, Lord, he says, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Right? Give me the double portion, Lord. Wash away. You can, you can picture him reclining there. Like, I'm ready to receive, right? Pour it on me, right? If a foot washing brings blessing, how much more a full body, right? Give it to me. Well, that, that triggers Jesus' clarification. It's the clarification that we read earlier in verse 10, but it's in the context now. Jesus answers Peter, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. So what is Jesus talking about here? Not all of you are clean. Who is he talking about there? Well, for one, we know Very specifically, he's talking about Judas. Jesus says in front of the disciples, one of you is not clean. We know that to be Judas. Judas was not clean. He needed a bath, in other words. More specifically, theologically, he was not righteous before God. But at the same time, Jesus indicates that the other disciples, including Peter, who he's talking to, in the room we were already clean why how do we know that because they believed because they had a genuine trust in jesus as the lord and as the savior you see you need you and i need a bath to be justified before the holy living god you need to be cleansed by jesus in this once and for all sacrifice for sins you need to believe in him as the one who cleanses to be considered clean today. But listen, if you're a Christian here in the room, if you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are considered clean, but you still need your foot washed. That's what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is demonstrating for us here and telling Peter is that those who belong to him That those who are his, those who are saved, they are in need of daily renewal. They need to be sanctified. That's the point here. You might say that, that you and I who call Jesus Savior, we need to continually go to God because we still have a tendency to sin. And because we still sin, we need Jesus to regularly clean our dirty feet. We need to go to him and ask him to continually wash our feet, if you will. And so there is a cleansing that is once and for all. But then there's also this foot washing, this daily renewal that each and every one of us also needs. And you know what's striking here to me? It's really striking. This should... I'm going to use the word fearful. (laughs) Um, This should make us a bit fearful, a little bit in awe, that we see here that that Judas, again, was, was considered by Jesus never clean in the first place. And yet he looked clean. You, you know, it's very easy. It's actually very easy to look clean, to, to appear clean. Right? You can be doing all the right things. You can even be hanging around all the right people and still not truly belong to God. I mean, think about this. Judas spent three years with Jesus. More than that, he was entrusted to keep all the money for the ministry by the other disciples. And when Jesus says later that one of you is going to betray me, none of the disciples know it's Judas. They're not, oh, yeah, now we know. We've been suspicious. No. They actually look at themselves in the mirror and, like, is it me? Judas was that good. Spent three years with Jesus, three years, and yet he still made a total shipwreck of his life. He was around the best Bible teacher in the world. He was there, understand, he was there for the Sermon on the Mount. He was there for the feeding of the 5,000, passing out the basket of bread and the fish. He was one of them, serving the crowd. He was there for the miracles. He saw people healed. He saw the blind see just just a few days before this. He was in Bethany, watching Lazarus come out of a tomb with grave clothes on, and yet he still did not truly believe. He never truly surrendered his heart and his life to Jesus. That's a little scary, isn't it? So what's the message here? What's the warning? It's simple. You, You have to believe. You have to know that you need a bath. It starts there. You need to know, you need to know that you need to be cleansed because of your sins and trust Jesus, once again, as the only cleanser of your sins. Judas reminds us that not everyone who says they follow Jesus and love Jesus belongs to Jesus. It's a great reminder for us. So Listen. Here's the reality for all of us today in the room, maybe some of you watching online. You can fake being a Christian here in the room today. You can fake that, but you cannot fake your way into the kingdom. You might fool us, just like Judas fooled the other disciples, but you're never going to fool Jesus. You will not. The warning. You need to repent. You need to believe. You need a new heart. Judas needed a bath. And that might be some of us here in the room today. Some of us here today might need a bath. But for certain, every single one of us here in the room today, all of us need our feet washed. As one church father said, I believe it was Martin Luther, he said, he's talking about God's grace. He said, we experience God's grace once and for all, again and again, and more and more. Once and for all, that's the bath that we need. And then we experience his grace again and again and more and more as Jesus washes our dirty feet. So we've considered Jesus' love. We've looked at our, our need for cleansing, which means that we're now ready to enter into his example. Follow his example. Follow his example is the message. Once we get his love, once we understand our need for cleansing, once we understand that he is able and willing to provide this grace to us, we then look to follow his example. So we see Jesus finish washing the feet of the disciples. He takes off the towel. He returns back to his place at his seat, reclined at that table to have the Passover meal, the last supper. And then he says, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so. Rightly so for that is what I am. See this? He tells them, you have rightly understood who I am. Please understand that's always where it all starts. I can't tell you this enough up here, but I do. I feel like every week, I tell you guys this all the time. I preach this constantly. It always starts with knowing who Jesus is. Always. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He affirms that here. That's his identity. And based on his identity and understanding his identity, then he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you, that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What Jesus is saying here is very simple for us today. That there is no act of service that is beneath you, regardless of who you think you are. Jesus tells them, straight up, you're not greater than me. You're not better than me. And look what I've just done for you. Go do the same. Listen, we need to hear this this morning. Right? We need to hear this. The disciples needed to hear that. Right? Because here's the thing. Don't forget the context of the passage as well. Context is king. It's key. The disciples understand what's taking place. The disciples come into the room for the Passover meal. And they know the social norm. They know the social custom. Right? The meal is planned beforehand. The Passover meal. Every detail is planned. Everything is laid out. Everything is set up. And so, surely, 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 as they walk into the upper room, things are are planned, set out, the pan is in the corner, the towel is there, but what isn't there? What isn't there? Or, Or better, who isn't there? A servant to wash their dusty feet. And I want you to think about this, consider this. As they walk into the upper room, and they all recline at the table to have this meal, it never seemed to occur to any of the disciples that they should serve the others, that they should be the one to wash other people's feet. That thought never crossed their mind. Maybe I should go do that. It never occurred to any disciple in the room, I can wash feet. In fact, it's worse. Because in Luke chapter 22, it tells us that during the Last Supper, during the meal that we're considering and talking about right now, there was actually an argument taking place. And do you know what that argument was about? Who among us is the greatest? Who's the best disciple? Who's the closest to Jesus? Who's going to maybe get the right-hand seat in the kingdom? And it's there. It's there and then, in the midst of that, that Jesus gets down low to show them what true greatness is. Now, I want to be clear with what Jesus is asking us to do here, what he's asking us to model Jesus is is not, was not, asking us to literally go around having foot-washing ceremonies, okay? I want to be clear. We can do that as a reminder. Some of you have maybe been a part of that before. It can be a beautiful thing. But that's not the point of the text. This is simply an example, a, a call by Jesus to love one another, to continually look for ways to serve and to be humble. Jesus says, here's my identity. I'm affirming that to you. I am the teacher. I am the Lord, yet I served. And here's your identity. You are servants. You are sent ones. So what do you think you should be doing? Go serve. Serve others humbly for the Lord. Jesus says, you know who I am. You know who you are. So go live like it. Get to it. Listen, it's not enough. It's not enough for us to know that Jesus washed feet today. It's not enough to know it. We actually need to do what he has done. That's the call. That's the command. Imitate Jesus out of an understanding of who he is and who we are. Devote ourselves to serving as he has asked us and imitated for us. And honestly, there is so much more I, I want to say here with this. I actually had a, an entire other section prepared. It could be part two. But, but I just want to end this morning by, by saying this. That when it comes to Jesus' teaching here and us serving him, I just want us to be reminded that it's a privilege actually. It's a privilege to serve Jesus and to serve one another. So if you leave here today and you feel burdened or 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 obligated or this duty to serve, you've missed it. You've actually missed it. You've really you've missed the gospel even. Right. You're actually not hearing the text right. You're not listening to Jesus. It's a privilege to serve Jesus. Listen, you, if you are in Christ today, you are cleansed. Right? We did nothing, nothing to cleanse ourselves, but we are cleansed. Do you realize? Do you realize here today what you deserve? What I deserve? Let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. It's hell. It's separation from God forever. Do you realize that? When's the last time you've thought about that? One One of my very good friends, we grew up together, knew each other since kindergarten. We ended up being college roommates, even though we lived in different places at different times. God radically, radically changed us at different times and in different places. But we both ironically ended up at the same university, at Liberty University, studying the Bible together. Same school, roommates, studying the same major. God just saved us radically, changed us a lot, both. Um, And we're from New York. And so before Christ, we're sarcastic. And after Christ, we're a little less sarcastic. But we're sarcastic, okay? it's how it works. And now and then, uh, we just, I'm just reminded of this as I was teaching, uh, going through this text. now and then, while we'd be hanging out, Right? Maybe drinking coffee and, you know, at the bookstore, like talking theology, like we knew what we were talking about at 20, um, right? Or playing a video game, whatever. He's a funny guy. He would just stop now and then. He'd like, literally, like, just pause the game. He'd look at me and be like, hey, man, wow. Do you realize we should be in hell right now? He would literally say that to me. Funny guy. But he would just talk like that, just straight shooter, right? Even, even on my birthday, every single year in April, he will write to me every year. He says, happy birthday. He says, hey, happy birthday. You're one step closer to death. One step closer to the kingdom. He says that to me every single year. Just straight shooter. You're about to die soon. <laughs> it's coming. All right, man. Happy, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate the birthday wishes. Right? But, but what did he say? Man, he's like, man, we, do you understand? Like, we're here. Like, what we're doing. We should be in hell, man. But he's right. It was always a great reminder, even though I would laugh. And it still is. I don't deserve, I'm talking about I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be up here in front of you preaching the gospel. But by God's grace, and by Jesus' cleansing, I'm here, and so are you. And when I think about that, when I start there, thinking about what I deserve, but what I've received, that I've been made new, that I'm invited to the king's table, you know what happens? I read this verse here in John 13 that Jesus has asked me to serve and I actually cannot wait to serve. I can't wait. I serve gladly and willingly. Even when I'm tired and weary, I serve. Because he's asked me to. And because he served me. So today, let's rejoice in Jesus' cleansing. Amen? Maybe you need that once and for all cleansing today. Maybe you just need your foot wash today. The Encouragement is the same. Go to him. Be made clean. And then once we get that, once we do that, let's joyfully follow his example. There are opportunities to wash people's feet all around us. So let's serve. Let's be willing to serve, knowing that Jesus loves us and has been faithful to serve us. Amen? Let me pray for you.